As we study the New Testament, we run into the gift of tongues at the end of the book of Mark, the book of Acts, and the book of 1 Corinthians most often. What is the gift of tongues? How does it work? Is it still for today or has it ceased? We are not interested in opinions about what's happening, but what the scripture says about what's happening. We know that we all have certain confirmation biases. We're looking to back up what we already believe. And sometimes we approach the scriptures so that we can find information about what we already believe rather than going to the scriptures to find out what the truth is so we can know the truth. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given in Acts. Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem and they would receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon them, that John baptized them with water, but soon he would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Acts 2, 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there are three things here that happen. There's the sound as if a rushing wind. There are divided tongues of fire upon their head, and then they speak in tongues. The sound of rushing wind wasn't an analogy, and it wasn't wind, it was the Holy Spirit coming into the place where they were. The divided tongues were divided because they were over each one of their heads, and it's as if a divided tongue of fire. That is, the presence of God is indicated by the glory of God, often in the Old Testament. And that's what we find. The Holy Spirit has gone inside of them, and now there is this symbol of the presence of God above them. But then they also speak with tongues, and that's what we're interested in today. Now, when they spoke in tongues, was it a known language? Was it an unknown language? Is this the same as praying in tongues or singing in tongues, as some people like to say? Let's take a look at the rest of the passage. It helps us. This is Acts 2.5. There was dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galilean? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jew and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. So two things were happening here. They were speaking in tongues, a language they did not know, but people were hearing it in their own language. The supernatural event here was not only them speaking in a language they didn't know, but everyone heard them speaking in their own language. So the tongues was operating on those who were speaking and on those who were hearing. The other option is that all of them were speaking in languages and one was speaking one language, another speaking another language, another speaking another language, and then they hear the wonderful works of God. Notice, they didn't hear God speaking to them. They heard praise. And this is consistent whenever we see tongues in the Bible. It is always us speaking mysteries to God or us exalting God or lifting them up. So they were speaking the wonderful works of God. It goes on to say then in verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocked saying, they are full of new wine. So there's two responses to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some wanna know more. 
They want to find out what is this? What does it mean? And others mock when they hear about the move of the Holy Spirit. Which one are you? Are you one that mocks or are you one that wants to know more? Verse 14, but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, men and Judea who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon them and they're going to see visions and dream dreams and they're going to prophesy. Not only that, everyone who is Christian is going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's not the way it happened in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, every believer would have the Holy Spirit indwelling them and they would be the temple of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say in Acts 2.18, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. Behold, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Note that the end result of the coming of the Holy Spirit is that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because the Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Also note that it goes to the end of the age when the sun is turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. The gift of the Holy Spirit is not just for a while, but it's throughout the entire church age. Now let's see what else the Bible has to say about the gift of tongues. Jesus was the first to bring up the topic. This is in Mark 16, 17, and 18, where he says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now he's not saying that every Christian is going to do all of these things, but these signs will follow those who believe. So it's believers and they do cast out demons and pick up serpents and drink deadly things to survive and speak in tongues. Doesn't mean everybody speaks in tongues as we're going to see, but it does mean that it happens. Now we get a lot of information about the gift of the spirit and speaking in tongues from 1 Corinthians. In fact, this is the prominent place we find it in the Bible. It doesn't come up in a prominent place in Galatia or in the book of Ephesians or the book of Colossians or Romans or Hebrews. And that should tell us something, that the gift of tongues was not meant to be platformed or to be out front, but it was meant to be working alongside of what God was doing. The church at Corinth were abusing the gifts of the Spirit. They're making a lot of mistakes. And so Paul has to write them to correct them. And that's why so much is said in 1 Corinthians about the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 tell us, there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit operate with individuals in different ways, but God's the one who gives it to everyone. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That is, we're given the gifts of the Spirit as a manifestation that God has given it to us, that we would minister it to one another. Peter said, as each one of you has received a gift of God, minister that gift to one another. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gift of healings by the same spirit, 
to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individual as He wills. So it is the Holy Spirit who decides who gets what gift and where the operation of the gift is. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, we're told that tongues are not the most important thing. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, remember, 1 Corinthians 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 is about the gifts of the Spirit. Tongues are brought up in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and in the middle is this chapter on love that says, even though I speak in tongues of men or angels, but I don't have love, I just am making noise. I'm like a clanging cymbal. We're also told near the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, are all apostles, are all prophets? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all have gifts of miracles? Do all speak in tongues? The answer to all of that is no which means not every person has the gift of tongues. Some believe it is a sign of salvation, which is just, with all due respect, ridiculous. We're saved by faith and faith alone. Others think it's the sign of receiving the Holy Spirit, but the Bible never says that. Just because you believe something doesn't mean it's right or doesn't mean it's biblical or just because you're taught something. And so someone may claim that they got a special revelation from God and that tongues are the sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but the Bible never says it. In fact, it says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, that tongues are gonna cease. And the question is, when do they cease? It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And this is talking about the gifts, the gifts of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of tongues. It says, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Now, some believe this is the fulfillment of scripture, that scripture comes on the scene as a complete canon, and so we no longer need the gifts of the Spirit. However, that's not what the passage says. It says in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Even though we have the scriptures, which are God's word and give us clarity, we still don't see as if face to face. It goes on to say, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. I don't know just as I am known now, and no one does. So the gifts have not ceased. In fact, Peter tells us how long the gift of the Holy Spirit is to be around, which brings the gifts of the Spirit. This is Acts 2, 38 and 39, the end of his sermon in chapter two. Then Peter said to them, repent, and let each one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to you and your children as many as will call. They'll cease when we're in the presence of God. Now the Bible tells us when we speak in tongues, we speak mysteries to God. This is 1 Corinthians 14, one and two. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, it is the spirit who speaks mysteries. 
couple of things from this verse. First of all, when someone speaks, it's them being given a gift to speak and they're speaking to God. The interpretation would never be a thus says the Lord. It will be a praise because it's them speaking mysteries to God. Second is we're told to desire spiritual gifts. Do you desire that God would give you spiritual gifts? Would you desire that you would speak in tongues? That God would give you the gift as, as is the genuine gift of speaking in tongues? Not the extremes that people mock, because we've all seen the videos of people doing strange, bizarre things. They don't have the control of the Holy Spirit when one of the fruits of the Spirit is the control of the Spirit. But we should desire spiritual gifts, especially that we could prophesy, meaning speaking something from God, but the gift of tongues is a powerful part of walking in the Spirit. We see also in Acts chapter 10 that when they spoke, they were speaking mysteries to God. Listen to what it says in Acts 10, 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who heard his words, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So when they received tongues, they magnified God. Again, it was their spirit speaking mysteries to God. Again, you're never going to have the interpretation be, thus says the Lord. It's going to be someone praising and worshiping God. It's also important to remember that tongues is not given for the edification of the body, but the edification of the individual. That's why we would desire tongues so we could be edified. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So tongues are self-edification. That's why Paul says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. And then in 1 Corinthians 14.5, he says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the whole church may receive edification. When we gather together, it's for the purpose of edification. And even though he wishes that they would all speak in tongues, he wishes that they would be edified. When we all gather together at the church, other gifts are better. 1 Corinthians 14, 6 says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching. These are things that Paul would rather platform, teaching, prophecy, knowledge, revelation, rather than the speaking of tongues, unless there is an interpreter. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, 9, he says, so likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how is it known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. This is why when a church gathers together, they're not all supposed to speak in tongues. It says that people are going to think you're out of your mind. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if we pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. There's something that works in my spirit, but that my understanding doesn't get it. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and 19, what is the conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and I will sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will you who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? At your giving of thanks. Notice again, this is you speaking to God, giving thanks, magnifying God, saying of the wonderful works of God. It goes on to say, since he does not understand what he says, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. 
I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words in my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, remember, the Corinthian church was misusing these things. And so Paul is speaking about them. But in other places, he doesn't even bring it up. And I just say that again to say we are not supposed to platform or put out front tongues. And this is often what churches do. And it leads to these weird kind of things where people wonder what's going on. If everybody speaks in tongues, the non-believer is confused. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 and 24. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say to you that you are out of your mind? But if you all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and convicted by all. So an unbeliever comes in and hears it, but if everybody's speaking in tongues, he's gonna think that you're out of your mind. And so the Bible says, let everything be done for edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 29. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three. Now there's a limit put on how often tongues could be used. There's never a mandatory amount of tongues that have to be used within a church, but there is a limit. Two are the most three. It goes on to say, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Not everybody's supposed to pray at one time in the church. They're to keep silent if there's no interpreter. And let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Now this tells us that if we have the gift of tongues, that we are to speak quietly to ourselves unless we know that there's an interpreter there and it's a particular place for it. Now we need to make sure all things are done decently and in order as well. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid speaking with tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. Now that's an important part. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Those who say, that the gifts have ceased, cessationist, they believe they've ceased, that's where the word comes from, would encourage people to not speak in tongues. But here we have a command in God's word, and do not forbid to speak with tongues, but let all things be done decently and in order. Don't let it get out of control, but don't forbid it as well. Both of these are important commands for us to listen to. Now the Spirit also gives gifts to whom He wills. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individual as He wills. So men try to make it happen. People will say to me at times, why don't you encourage people to pray in tongues? Because it's the work of the Spirit. It's not my job to make it happen. The Holy Spirit is to make that happen, and we want to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, three things in closing. Those who believe the gift of the Spirit have ceased still have the Spirit and believe in miracles. Those who believe that tongues and miracles and gifts of healings are not around today, it doesn't mean they don't believe in miracles or that God is working. Sometimes they are painted with a brush that's not fair. Some things are said like, they don't believe in miracles. They do. They just put them in a different category. Whether than a spiritual gift, they would call it an act of God. And those who believe the gifts of the Spirit have not ceased, stay biblical. Operate within the parameters of Scripture. Don't let things get out of control like the church at Corinth did. Don't platform them, don't platform them or push them out front, but let the Holy Spirit give the gifts as he wills. And finally, 
pray you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And don't be afraid of the manifestation of the Spirit. Pray that you would receive the gift of tongues and allow God to give it to you. We wanna be open to all the things the scripture says and we wanna be directed by the scriptures and may God use all of these things for his glory.